Thank you, John. As there's no one on the Well, thank you for releasing me from this pressure um, of your expectations. <coughs> um, I better not go on too much about that, had I? Um, I was just um, thinking before I stood up to speak that um, we've had several people bring different sort of testimonies and words this morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, and while I was praying... Earlier this morning, I spent a bit of time praying over us as a as a, a group of people, and some of us individually. And I had a picture that came to my mind. I was intending to share this at the end, but if you know, I don't want to step over this half an hour boundary if I can. Um, what about if I get to the end and I don't get a chance to share it? So, um, hopefully, that won't uh, cut out the other things. But this it was an interesting picture. And Martin uh, stirred us last week. He said about the importance of pictures. So, Martin, take note. This is a picture. Now, this came to me uh, this morning, as I said. And it's of an incident um, of an experience that I had um, around about probably 15, would it be 15, 20 years ago, when amongst my many and varied uh, occupations, um, I was working in a factory and in this factory we were making various sort of things without going through all the details and one of the you got different responsibilities given to you from day to day and uh, some days I was given the responsibility to work on a particular machine and with this machine what it what what it was I was trying to think of the name of it but I'm not sure if I can remember the name of this machine but what what happened was you had bins that were filled with various sort of meats or fishes, depending on what you were making. And this bin was then lifted up and put into a hopper, right? like a big round bin thing. And it had all been mi and it'd be mixed up in there as well, so it would be churning around in there, a little bit like a cement mixer, right? if you can picture that. And then it came through a hole at the bottom, and it fell through. And then, then there were molds for this to form its shape. And then it went straight onto a, a moving line, and the line went past you. And the responsibility that I had was to, on this particular machine, was to make sure things were correctly formed. Okay? For that to happen, you had to have the right ingredients put in, in the first place to get the right result. And so along on the side of this machine, near the moving belt, there were little sort of wheels, little things to pull and to tweak and to touch. And at the same time, and this is important, at the same time, there was a stream of water. Okay? So alongside the other stuff, there had to be water coming in to help form this particular product. And if you find if you found that a mate came along and tapped you on the shoulder and said, you know, how did Norwich get on Saturday or something like that, and you were distracted and you turned around 
and you'd be chatting away and you turn back, guess what? You would look on this belt and you'd see all these little pools of little mess, drops of mess. And this was because unless you constantly paid attention and didn't get distracted by mobile phones and the like, if you didn't get distracted and you kept focus, you could see that the things were formed properly. But once you lost your focus and were distracted, the risk was you turned around and you looked down this line and disappearing down the line were these little messy lumps. And they weren't supposed to be messy lumps. They were supposed to be formed into a particular or specific shape. And that spoke to me this morning of how important it is that we know that we're putting into our lives the right ingredients. Because th this, this was made up by vari various ingredients and you had, I suppose you had a menu, a formula if you like, for any particular thing that you were making. And you had to have the right things put into that. But as I say, it was balanced with the right degree of, of, of water. And so uh, what came through to me was that this was just a few of these particular points, that God is wanting us to be formed. And he's wanting to shape our lives. And he's wanting that to be done in a balanced way. And so there are lots of different things that he wants us to be have in our lives. And it isn't all prayer. It isn't all Bible study. It isn't all gifts of the Spirit. It isn't all fruit of the Spirit. It isn't all witnessing. It isn't all character forming. It's all of those things. They all come together. And so that, that's what the Lord wants to be, forming something in us that has some balance in us and that is causing us to grow in a good way. The same thing that came to me was this. If we don't make adjustments, we will not be properly formed. Because one of the things I had to do with this machine was watch it and watch these things coming out on the line, moving past me. I tell you, I don't know if you've had an experience of working on lines in factories, it can be rather distressing and because at one point you feel like the whole ground is moving away from you and it's not the line that's moving, it's you that's moving. And then you feel, oh, this is awful. Anyway, that's a bit of an aside. But so I've had that experience. But if, if you weren't watching and making adjustments, you could get caught out. And then someone down the further down the line with a different color hat on than you could come along and say, rrr, 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 rrr. And that meant that you had lost the plot a bit and you needed to go back and make sure you got things right and so it came out correctly. So that's the reality. If we don't make adjustments, we won't be properly formed. We can't assume that everything we're doing now will form us into the perfect person we're going to be. Um, there are adjustments all along. Some of the things that have come through this morning speak about that as well. And... Then there's, there was the thing about the water. I'll leave that bit uh, till later. Um, and as I say, it needed a there was need for constant attention. Um, I mentioned the little piles of mess. I'm just looking at my scrappy little notes here. <laughs> and keeping the, the, the controls, looking after the controls. But the whole idea of what, what I'm trying to bring across to is that it's important that we have balance and consistency um, in our lives as well and that God is wanting to, to 
formation. I think I, I couldn't remember, as I said earlier, the name of this machine, uh, but um, I think it was called a Formax machine. If anyone has ever used one or heard of that. But the, it's the, the name, even in the name, form. And it was there to form something. And that really spoke to the, me this morning that to encourage us that that is what God is doing with us, that he's wanting to, to form something in us. And he doesn't want us to be a little pile, a little mess going along uh, when we should be more properly formed. So there's a need to be re receptive to those things. I think I better move on from that. Um, but that came to me this morning. I hadn't thought of that picture and that factory situation for a long time. And so because it came sort of almost out of the blue, I felt it was just important to share that. Um, so you realize that doesn't count towards the sermon because I could have shared that earlier, you see, but I, I didn't. I was kind and patient. So now the sermon, John, the sermon time starts now. So, um, <clears throat> as I was thinking about this morning, uh, I wanted to share that one of the amazing things that has happened um, in our lifetime um, is that we have had so much provision and so much resources um, for our lives and in this sort of particular generation. And there's been so much available to us as far as teaching, testimony, information, concerning so much of the Christian life, and particularly about the work, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. His character, his gifts, his fruit, his uh, manifestations, all sorts of things have come through to us. And we have the privilege, actually, of being able to read of revivals, of powerful moves of God. We've got the opportunity to know about awakenings, we have lived in the time that in our lifetime there have been tremendous moves of the Holy Spirit in nations and in the world that have then spread to other parts of the world in an amazing way. This has happened while we've been getting to this age. It's happened since the 50s and 60s and so on, right through to the present. We've seen evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've seen signs, we've seen wonders, we've seen miracles. And for some of us, we've seen healings in a way that we would not have imagined if you go back 50 years. And some of the church would not have imagined looking back. And all those things have happened. And that I was just thinking about this. Were we to have been born in a previous generation, there are many things that we have seen in our lifetime that we would not have seen. And so I want to begin this word by encouraging us that we live in a very, in fact, an extremely blessed situation. Because there are many um, church situations, denominational situations, and previous generations who never have seen the things that you have seen or heard about or experienced. Now, there's some, I'm not trying to worry about all the history and all the past because you only have to go back and see there's many magnificent things have happened throughout history. But I want to encourage us to start with that we have in our lifetime a great privilege to see the moving of the Holy Spirit and 
to see the way that he has moved in particular places, particular locations, in particular lives and ministries. So I want to say to us, we are extremely blessed. We are. We are extremely blessed. The opportunities that we have and the things that are available to us. And even if you look back at all sorts of denominations in this country or in other countries, so many have been touched and affected by what we would call the charismatic movement or by the works of the Holy Spirit um, and by the, uh, the, uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So many people have been touched and blessed um, that we know them individually and we perhaps know them as churches. As far as my own uh, personal testimony is concerned, um, it would be this, that I'm so grateful that constantly and continually my life has been fed by all sorts of good, positive things and teaching from the Word of God. And um, I know, I'm sorry, I can't get through this without mentioning books, but I have been blessed by having access to so much blessing that has come through reading, has come through teaching cassettes. Do you remember cassettes? These ministry cassettes? Well, I have. I mean, I have to confess that I probably have got a collection of around about 400 ministry cassettes at home waiting for something to be done with them. So we've had those times. We've had Bible weeks. And we were blessed as a family. We went to all the Stonely Bible Weeks for about 11 years. And ones previous to that, we go back to the 1970s and Bible Weeks and seeing wonderful things and hearing wonderful ministry, both apostolic and prophetic, in a wonderful way. And so we've been blessed in all of those ways. And so that would be my, my testimony. And I know that my understanding has been expanded and my experience of the Holy Spirit has been uh, extended, if you like, through all these different experiences that have been built into my life and built into all of those years. And that's been under, under, underpinned um, by the reading of the Scriptures, by reading the whole Bible, that's important, the whole Bible, by reading and focusing on the New Testament teaching, and also obviously looking at Jesus and the Gospels. So as I reflected upon this, I was thinking, well, we ought to be the most spirit-led, spirit-inspired, spirit-instructed, spirit, come on, how many more can we get? Spirit-enabled, spirit-empowered, spirit-filled, any more? Anointed, good word, people that ever lived. That's a challenge, isn't it? Hopefully that's not building into a high expectation. <laughs> I don't want to ruin you. I don't want to ruin your word there. There's balance here between the two of us. Yeah, a good balance here. Um, but then during during this week, um, as I was um, thinking about today and, and thinking of preparing for today, this is what I felt the Holy Spirit dropped into my into my thinking about this. What if? We had been around when Jesus walked the earth. What if we had been one of those early disciples? Now, what if we had been present at the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus? What if 
we were there right at the beginning of the early church. Now, what would we have seen, been taught, heard, and understood about the Holy Spirit? If I could just sort of wipe out all the stuff that I've received since I was 17 years of age when I became a Christian, and I just went back to the scriptures, and I just looked at those, what would I understand? What would I see about the work of the Holy Spirit? And so I said to myself, well, if I hadn't got access to all that I had access to, if I hadn't had that opportunity to, to read, to listen, to all these things about the Holy Spirit, to see the gifts in operation, to see the manifestations of the Spirit, to have my own carpet time, if I might add that in, um, to, to see evidence of the power of God, to see healing in my life and in my family, then what would I have gleaned if I'd just been in the gospel times without any memory of all that, and that was just wiped out? You know, some of us, I'll uh, better not mention memory to us as a, 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 a dear um, Silverhead congregation, but if all your memories could suddenly be wiped out, all those different things, and you came back just to these scriptures, just to the gospel, what would we have received about the Holy Spirit, even if we just listened to and observed Jesus? So, with that introduction, the title for this morning is this. <clears throat> I'm, I'm doing well. I did that in about five minutes, Martin. So, um, so where, where am I? You, you've put me off now. Um, oh, here we am. Yes. So my title for this morning is The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Gospels. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Gospels. And I just want to simply and straightforwardly um, recognize, highlight and recognize, really, some things about the Holy Spirit by simply, I'm just simply going to focus upon Jesus and the Gospels. And I just want today, there's lots of things in there, as you, you will find when you read the four Gospels, and I just want to cover just three aspects um, this morning. And the first one, straight into the first one, is this, and in a lovely way, Michael, at the very beginning of the, the, the meeting, um, early on the meeting, he prayed through my first point. So, um, to some extent, anyway. Because I want to say first that Jesus shows that spiritual life for every person has to come from the Holy Spirit. Right? Spiritual life. Jesus shows that spiritual life for every person has to come from the Holy Spirit. And other people said things, and Bernard said things when sharing on the communion, re that reiterated that several times through this morning. Through any true spiritual life, any real transformation, uh, becoming a Christian or displaying the likeness of Christ, begins and starts at the point of receiving the person of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to read some verses, which, and this morning all the verses I read are very familiar verses. John 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he says, the truth is, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of, the wa of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit, and this was prayed as well, but the Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. So don't be surprised at my statement that you must be born again. 
just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Those are the words of Jesus to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And you can see how important this is, how clear this is, that a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is not, is not merely about my mental assent. It's not merely about the fact that I've been brought up in a church situation and even as a child I had some understanding of basic theology and I had some understanding of biblical pictures and um, parables and that I could sing the Sunday school songs because I could do all of that. And it's not just about me resolving, oh yes, I'm going to make myself like Jesus or me saying, well, I know what, I think I'm quite a good bloke anyway, I'm not too bad, I'll just add some of these Christian principles and Christian ideas into my life so that I can present myself as a greater person or as a more um, godly or more biblical person. Because what Jesus is saying is no, he's not asking me to do that. He never asked me to make myself a better Graham Barwick. He said that what he was looking for was something which was direct and real and actually has some dynamic in it, some personal encounter in it with me and the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, without which no one can be a true Christian. And so that means salvation or forgiveness, as has been mentioned this morning, and even eternal life is not there where the Holy Spirit is not there. And so as I thought about this, it, I was reminded of Paul's words in Romans 8. You will know them. He, he said to the people, look, you need to remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ he said, if the Spirit of Christ is not living in them, they are not Christians at all. So that, that's a very blanket statement, isn't it, that he made there. So Jesus saw, as he said, it's the Holy Spirit who gives new life from heaven. And so I tried to imagine, you imagine you being there with the disciples and you are hearing this, and you're seeing Jesus with the disciples. And what they're hearing, actually, I thought, well, this is amazing. This is a spectacular thing that they're hearing, a wonderful revelation that they're hearing. You know, we can say this, we can listen to preachers or on all sorts of mediums now, can't we, who, who can easily trot this out very quickly and very easily and call for a decision. But this is an amazing thing that actually the Holy Spirit wants to engage with us and when we begin our Christian life, there is engagement with something that is dramatic, that is real, that is um, just bringing the life of God. As Jesus said, it's from heaven. This is from heaven. So we're straight away. Something of heaven must touch something of the earth in, in us. And when I think of when I became a Christian, and I'm sorry, I know I've mentioned this numerous times probably by now, when I was 17, I knew that something had changed. I knew that something had happened in my life. 
And it wasn't just something else of earth. It wasn't just an improvement um, idea on my behalf. Or other people saying, well, he definitely needs to improve. Let's try and help, you know, you know, then the, the, the people who I was with, were try, let's try and help Graham get rid of all this rubbish that's in his life. But it was, a, it was something changed, then that, that change was recognizable. That change was identifiable. And I knew it had happened, and other people knew it had happened. Not because I suddenly become some wonderful person in a sense, but I suppose I did, didn't I, in Christ? So, there you have it. Um, I was reminded as I was thinking about this, of, of these Old Testament words, Jeremiah, he prophesied these words from God. He said, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then the prophet Ezekiel, very similar words from God, and I will give you a new heart with a new and right desires and I will put a new spirit within you. So let's, oh, let's see, he's got the three-point sermon there, hasn't he? Three news all in one go. I will take out your stony heart of sin, as another one, and give you a new obedient heart, and I will put my spirit, capital S, my spirit in you, so you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. So, isn't that wonderful? That was, and there, so here is Jesus coming back to the Gospels and the disciples, and that, that's what they're being introduced to. This new covenant is coming alive right there with them and amongst them. And he's saying, every follower of Jesus, you begin in this way, you recognize it, that has significance, and it's the reception of the person of the Holy Spirit into their life. And so you, we can read the Bible through over and over again. You can read the New Testament over and over again. And what you will not find is there's an alternative offer to you. No alternative offer. Um, like I think Acts 4.12, there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. And so as I was thinking about this and thinking of Jesus talking to Nicodemus, he's laying a foundational and an essential truth in the Gospels that holds for all time for all people. That true life in God, true Christian experience, true life as a Christian in Christ is from the Holy Spirit. We are born again of the Spirit of God. The second thing is this. Jesus demonstrates by his example and experience that we all need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus demonstrates, he shows us by his example and experience that we all need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. And you will read these verses in each of the four Gospels. Matthew tells us this. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. I am fully pleased with him. Isn't that a lovely phrase? Mark says, And when Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens split open, and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on him. Luke also tells us that the Holy Spirit descended on him 
in the form of a dove. And from the Gospel of John, we read this, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting on him. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the Son of God. And as you will know, that it was after this event that um, Jesus is described as being full of the Holy Spirit when he went into the wilderness. And then when he came out of the wilderness, he is described as being filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And then soon after this, you will be aware that when he went into the synagogue in Nazareth, what did he say? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And what Jesus shows us, I think, is meant to be powerful and effective because he's showing that he knew that his life needed to be energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Spirit of God. So Jesus him, himself demonstrated that to all of us. And that just made me, um, stirred me to think, well, if I want to in any way fulfill God's plans and purposes in my life, then and I look at Jesus, he's telling me, I also need to look to receive some anointing. I may not see, some of you may have, I may not see a dove come down on me. Someone else might not say to me, oh, Graham, do you know while you're preaching, I saw doves come down. And that would be lovely if you see that, tell me. But that hasn't, as far as I know, that hasn't been my experience. But I need to receive that anointing in what I'm doing and how I'm seeking to serve God. And whether we move into areas of spiritual gifts or how we've been called or the responsibilities we have, Jesus, I believe, wants that to be anointed. And that is a vital and essential thing for all of us. And you remember, obviously, when Jesus, these are well-known words, when Jesus came towards the end of his life on earth, he did actually say in Luke's gospel to the disciples, you guys, I want you to stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And then, as we know, at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, um, is you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. Now, obviously, we could say quite a lot about these particular Bible verses, but what I wanted to just get hold of there, this gospel era, because the disciples saw Jesus, imagine they saw Jesus relating to people as well as relating to the disciples in this wonderful new way. They couldn't look around and see lots of rabbis doing the same thing. Jesus had this wonderful, and the disciples saw it. The disciples breathed it, in the sense they saw it exuding from Jesus, pouring out of his life. And that is in the Gospels. So although they cannot read what I have read, or know about, you know, the Sunderland refreshing, or the, uh, what's happened at Pensacola, they didn't know anything about that, or what happened at Toronto, all those different things. 
you know, but they saw Jesus. They saw his anointing. And this was what was a part of their lives. And <clears throat> I had three thoughts about that just to add to that particular aspect. The thing about Jesus in the Gospels, that we are to see that the life of Jesus and then the early church as normal and not exceptional or unobtainable because that's always that's that can be a difficulty for you even sharing these things because it's easy to look at that and say yes well that was Jesus that was the early disciples that was the early church and it almost becomes like it's unobtainable to us because they're exceptional we're normal you know whatever normal, normal is um, I, I still know to comment on how many of you are normal or not but um, this, what you can hear what I'm saying. I don't believe that Jesus was thinking that my first generation guys, they're going to be really, they're going to really go for it and be really exceptional. But then the other lot, especially once you get to the, the 20th century, 21st century, they're going to be very, you know, very regular, very not. I'm sure that Jesus' heart was always that the same anointing that he had and the same anointing that they had was to be an anointing that we experienced as well. And so that's what I want to encourage. We also to see the life of Jesus showing that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is a requirement and not an optional extra. Because that's so easy, especially depending on your, your spiritual history. Um, I mean, my history was probably a bit sort of in stages. And so on different stages, there are different things that you learn. And it probably depends what sort of theological stable you came out of as well and your history. Um, but it's easy to begin to see at a certain point in your Christian life that this talk of a greater anointing or talk of the baptism in the Holy Spirit or talk of moving in spiritual gifts or being able to bring prophetic words or words of knowledge or whatever it is or see people healed, um, that that suddenly is a, is a different level. And we're normal. We don't expect that level. But I think that when we look at the Gospels, when we look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the Gospels, what you have to begin to say to yourself is, I think this is a requirement and not just an optional extra that I can add on. It's a bit like some people see other aspects of the Christian life as an optional extra. Um, and the third thing that I was thinking about this is that um, we are to see the life of Jesus as exampling to us, not what we can't be, but what the Holy Spirit says we can be. And there is a difference, and that is a problem as well. We often live with what we can't be and not in what we can be. And that affects us and what we do. Right, let me quickly now, I'm doing quite well, I think. This is my last point, the third point. Jesus encouraged us to be thirsty believers so that the Holy Spirit might flow through us. And this is, again, a well-known passage, John 7, 37 to 39. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. It was interesting, he shouted this out. If you are thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scripture declares that rivers of living water will flow out from within. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory and that made me feel well 
I could be as a Christian in quite a plight, really, a spiritual plight. If I am not thirsty, if I am not drinking, I am not receiving fresh life into me. And that could be a danger. And the passionate cry of Jesus here in the Gospels is for people, his followers, he wants them to be thirsty. And some, I just word just coming to my mind, then precondition is almost like a precondition. You know, you want to go there, get thirsty and drink from me. Keep coming to Jesus to drink. And the result is as Jesus, um, I think we, Vern and I even mentioned this this morning in conversation at one point, but the reality is what Jesus said, this is what will happen. That the streams or the rivers of living water will flow from within. That's what he said. Not me saying it, he said it. That if you drink, if you're thirsty and you drink, this is a result. Um, so we can see increasing evidence of the flowing life of the Holy Spirit in us as we thirst and as we drink. And as I say, an absence of thirst leading to an absence of drinking will lead to an absence of life. That is inevitable. I just got one or two quotes and then I'm going to draw to a conclusion. And I've got four minutes left. A.W. Tozer said this, he said that one sign of their divine election, and that he's talking about us as Christians, one sign, he said, is this, is their insatiable thirst after the source of their being. It's a lovely phrase, isn't it? Well, if you look, read Tozer, you'll find lots of lovely phrases. That's one of the things he said, an, that, an insatiable thirst for the source of a being. Um, John Piper said this about thirst. He said, it's not obliterated lest we lose our impulse to come to him again and again. Which again, I think that's a lovely thought. For all that God promises to be for us in Jesus. And then Nicky Gumbel encourages us in this way. He says, if you do not have a thirst for more of the Spirit's fullness, why not pray for such a thirst? God takes us where as where we are. God takes us where we are. When we thirst and ask, God will give us the free gift of the water of life. That's a, a wonderful promise. I know that um, this may be something I've said before as well, that one thing... Fairly early on in my Christian life, I found that I felt I wanted to pray that I would be thirsty. Now, I have heard a different view that says, well, you know, Jesus said you will, you'll never thirst again. Why do you want to keep being thirsty? Um, but having said that, um, my experience has been that I've prayed for a thirst. I've prayed for a hunger for the word of God. Um, and even though I've been doing that for a long, long time, for many decades, I'm still doing it. I still want to do that because I don't want to get to the place where I'm not thirsty, really, um, for more. And so that's something that I would do. So anyway, to finish, I've put these three questions. One question relates to each of these three points. The first one is this. Have we that total assurance of having been born again of the Spirit of God, knowing the Holy Spirit's work in us? Then the second question is, have we that recognition of our need of the Holy Spirit's anointing so as to do the works of God, the things that he has called us to. 
And the third question on the third point is this. Have we that thirst for coming to Jesus with a desire for the living waters of the Spirit to flow through us? So those are just some things this morning from about the Holy Spirit, from Jesus, and from the, the Gospels, and is encouraging us that we uh, we have to be at least these three things. We have to be born of the Spirit of God, we're to be anointed by the Spirit, and we're to be thirsty for the Spirit. So let me just uh, pray for us.